This is the Ingalls Information Aisle with Leah McGrath, helping you eat healthy, feel great, and understand your nutrition. Now, here's your host, Ingalls Dietitian, Leah McGrath. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to the Ingalls Information Aisle. This is Leah McGrath, your Ingalls Dietitian. And, you know, we always are curious about different ways of eating, or at least I am, different choices that people make and the foods that they eat. And, you know, there's a lot of terms out there that people are using these days. You hear things like vegetarian, vegan, plant-based, plant-forward, lacto-ovo vegetarian. So I thought we could focus a little bit on some of these kind of labels that people have about how they eat and especially about vegetarianism. So I'm brought into the studio, somebody I sort of discovered online as I was working on a a presentation, Dr. Hal Herzog. And uh, welcome to the studio, Hal. How are you? I'm fine. And thanks for inviting me to be on the show. Yeah, it was kind of a surprise that I was as I was doing that research on that paper and I uh was reading this really interesting paper and I thought, well, I'm going to I'm going to find find out who wrote this paper and I look and it's Hal Herzog and then I'm reading your bio and I'm oh my gosh, he's a you're a professor emeritus from Western Carolina. Is That's that, correct, yes. And what and and then, then I to come to find out that you um, live in my old hometown, Weaverville, North mm-hmm. Carolina, right? That's right. Yeah. So, and you've probably heard me when you go into into an angle store many times. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And now you've met the woman herself, the voice overhead yes. <laughs> store. I am a real person. <laughs> So far, so good. Um, so what did you teach when you were at Western Carolina? Psychology. Oh. I'm a, a research psychologist. And I taught ex- research methods. I taught biological psychology. Uh, I taught the human sexuality course at Western. Too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you originally from this area? No, but we've been living here. My wife and I have been living here since 1974. <gasps> wow. So that, my, oh. my whole life has been spent you know, within – you know, 60 miles of the studio. Wow. So that almost counts as a native. That's a long time. Almost. Well, you, you've seen a lot of changes in Western North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you've been around. Even Ingalls has changed a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It has changed. I mean, I can remember even when I first moved here, I've been with Ingalls for almost 18 years. I mean, the way our stores look has really, the whole more airy, open concept has really changed quite a bit than what we used to have when I first came. Just tremendous changes, absolutely. And then uh, just the type of products we have in the stores has really changed a lot, which is a good segue to talking about um, vegetarian eating. I think um, over the years we've we've increased the number of vegetarian and vegan options in our stores dramatically. Have you seen that? Do Do you look for things like that in the store? I do, and I definitely have noticed that, and it's also an increase in the number of uh, organic mm-hmm. organic foods in the meat department. There's more choices in terms of uh, items that are labeled uh, cruelty free, organic, mm-hmm. uh, non GMO, you know, things right. like that. So, yeah. there's, uh, you know, the the uh, supermarkets have indeed been uh, responsive to customer demands in these areas. Yeah, and definitely a lot of local products too, because I know that you're. Uh, a fan and supportive of local agriculture and local farming as well, or as I, I made that assumption. And you know, I got to say, Ingalls has been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I, when we, uh, in, in I think 1979, we first moved to Weaverville, and our neighbor in her backyard was uh, quite a, uh, a, a green thumb, and she was selling 
produce from her backyard to to the north uh, to to the North Asheville Ingalls. Back That's right. In the, back in the back, back in, in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was amazed by that. I know. Yeah, um, and you know, I don't know if you know who John Swan is. He started. Yeah, so he he started Green Li- Green Life. Oh, I know Green Life. Sure. Yeah, and he used to sell us tofu back in probably the I want to say maybe may have been in the eighties or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little different now with produce because we require all of our produce to be GAP certified. I don't know if you, that's good agricultural practices. It's a way of traceability so that we have, um, you know, that we know the farmers are doing, it's a national program. We know farmers are USDA program. So yeah, it's a little different now, but we still work with an awful, actually probably more local farmers than ever before now. And, and you mentioned meats. We have the hickory nut gap meat and we have brass town meat, sunburst trout. You've probably seen for a long time in of our course, stores. Yes. Yeah. And we've worked with them since probably the eighties. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to be talking about vegetarianism today. And um, so how would you define being a vegetarian? That's an interest. That's a very interesting <laughs> question, and I don't, I'm not sure. I I'm not sure that I want to define it. Okay. I mean, the obvious definition would be a person that eats vegetables and doesn't eat meat. Mm-hmm. However, let's take a look at how vegetarians define it. Okay. And uh, what studies have shown, including some that we've done, is that uh, most vegetarians, it seems, eat meat almost every day. Hmm. And so, for example, the two studies that I know over, one was a large study done by Time Magazine and the other by the Department of Agriculture, uh, both studies found the same thing. They asked people uh, whether they were, you know, ate meat or vegetarians, whether omnivores, what it was. And then they, uh, and the USDA study was particularly good because they, uh, they uh, I think they had 13, no, they had three or 4,000 people in their study. Uh, I think about 10% said they were vegetarian. They then a week later, they called these people back on the phone and they said, what have you eaten in the last 24 hours? Mm-hmm. Not the last week or the last month, the last 24 hours. 60%, 66% of the vegetarians had eaten animal flesh the previous day. <laughs> I've had people tell me that they were vegetarians as they were munching on a tuna fish sandwich. Right. And so. look me right in the eye. <laughs> I've got a friend that's a vegetarian, and she said, and she eats chicken. And she says, "Well, I don't eat anything with a face." <laughs> so I said, "Wait a minute! Chickens have faces. Fish have faces." <laughs> so, so the practical definition of a vegetarian is actually not the same thing. Maybe very fluid, depending. Very on fluid. Who you, yeah. and as a psychologist, I'm sort of interested more in the real world definitions that people have. So, I guess a vegetarian to me is a person that. Thinks of themselves as a vegetarian. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think, uh, well, we're coming to the end of the segment, so we're going to be talking more about um, vegetarian and, and, and some of the different ways that people label their eating habits and why they feel like they need to label their eating habits. And we're also going to be talking about a new term that you might hear um, around or you might have already heard around called plant-based, and you might hear different versions of that might, might hear it called plant-forward or plant-focused. Stay tuned to the Ingalls Information Aisle. Oh, 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 
Welcome back to the Ingles Information Now. This is Leah McGrath, your Ingles dietitian. We're talking about vegetarian um, eating habits, uh, why people start a vegetarian diet or call or like to call themselves vegetarian, and also maybe why people give up being vegetarian. We're talking with Hal Herzog. He's a professor emeritus from Western Carolina University that I kind of discovered online when I was working on a presentation. So um, how, why do people go meat free? Why, why, why do people do that in your, in your experience? I think there's a lot of, well, there's, I, I think the reasons, uh, basically fall into to three categories. Okay. Uh, some people be, and, and these, sometimes it, it involves all three of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, the categories gets mixed together. Um, there's the idea that there's health advantages mm-hmm. to giving up meat. Uh, there's no doubt about that. That's, I think that that's true. I think there's good evidence for that. There's the, um, the ethical concerns that they have. There's little doubt about that, that uh, animal agriculture is probably the biggest cause of animal suffering, mm-hmm. human-inflicted animal suffering in the, in the world. And, uh, and then there's, there's, there's finally the environmental cost associated with it. So one of the, I never argue with people about, about um, the, you know, whether or not you know, that they should start eating meat or anything like that because if you actually look at the arguments against eating meat – they're very, very strong. Mm. That being said, I eat meat. Right. And I don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. I've sort of dealt with that part of my myself. And, so uh, do you find some subsets within those? Because I think that like as a dietitian, like some of the things that I've heard, I definitely hear the health um, concern. Like people say, I... I've stopped eating meat or I've really reduced the amount of meat. Um, I know that Dean Ornish um, was a big proponent, is is still a big proponent of plant uh, vegetarian eating to reduce uh, risk of heart disease, that type of thing, and um, reversal, he calls it reversal of heart disease. But um, I've also run into people who um, will adopt a more of a, adopt a meat-free or vegetarian diet because of um, weight loss. They think that's going to help them weight, lose weight. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, the, the, okay, that that's actually a very interesting, uh, the, 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 there's the positive and the negative yes. side of mm-hmm. that. The positive side is that we have an obesity problem in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. Um, vegetarians uh, tend to be thinner mm-hmm. than, than meat eaters. There's no question about that. And that's good. And the vast majority of vegetarians don't have problems with the downside. Mm-hmm. But there is a downside that, that uh, is, affects some people, and that is eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite a few studies have now shown that uh, vegetarians, particularly vegetarian women, are m- somewhat more likely to have eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's – I think the evidence for that's, for that for that's quite – quite good. I, I want to be very clear in saying I think for the most part, uh, vegetarians tend to be healthier than meat eaters. And, and, I'm, and I don't think this, this eating disorder should be used uh, to dissuade people mm, necessarily. No. But on the other hand, that link is there. Sure. Yeah. And then, you know, I think also what I've seen too is that people um, go through maybe a period of their lives um, where they go meat-free or almost meat-free when they have financial concerns or when they have um, they don't have the the skills to cook or prepare meat on their own so maybe they're more we would want to want maybe flexitarian so that they 
are opportunistic meat eaters, right? So if they're in a if they're in a situation where they don't have to pay for it or they don't have to cook it because they don't have the skills or the money, they will eat meat. Yes. But on their own, they will not. I think I think that's that's exactly correct. Yeah, I think yeah. So let's talk about some of these other terms. Um, so we've got vegetarian. Well, we've got vegan, and so that would be a person who is uh, free of. Uh, refuses any animal products, including honey or any kinds of clothing made from animals or anything connected with animals. That's correct. Then we've got vegetarian. Then we've got lacto-ovo-vegetarian, which is milk and dairy, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then we've got pescatarian or pescetarian. Fish. Fish. Um, flexitarian, occasional meat. Right. What am I missing here? Is there another one? Is, is there- I, I have run into people that uh, tell me that they would prefer to eat vegetables, products that you don't have to actually kill the vegetable. In other what? words, they prefer to eat nuts and fruits rather than something like a carrot that you have to rip out of the ground and you actually eat the carrot. That, That's pretty rare. I know. Does that have a name? I don't know the name. We need to come up with if, something. Yeah, if somebody knows the name out there. Let me know. Yeah, soilitarians. No, that doesn't sound quite right. Um, and then we've got more of a newer terminology around this whole idea of plant-based, which, as we were talking before we came on the air, seems to have maybe two different camps where one seems the definition looks a lot like a meat-free vegetarian diet with no animal products. And then another definition is more plant, seed, nut, grain focused with minimal animal products. Does that would, – would you agree with all that? I would I would agree, yes. <laughs> I would agree with that. But, but to me, it's sort of funny because everything is plant-based. Right, like a exactly. Big Mac is plant-based because that cow that you're eating in the Big Mac – <laughs> Is basically a plant <laughs> right. that converted, you know, through a biochemical process from yeah. from from corn, yeah, to hamburger, yeah. So to me, plant based is so broad that yeah. um, you know it, it may have specific meanings, you know, in some in some circles. But but to me, it's such a to me all ultimately everything is plant based. That's a great point. Sugar is plant based. Sugar is plant based. That's right. Really plant based. Yeah. How about French fries? Pretty plant plant based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think uh, I also think, and, and with your background um, in psychology, I think that um, I kind of question all the reliance on labels too. Why people feel the need to? I guess that that might even be a whole other segment here, <laughs> but why people feel the need to identify themselves with a label about what they eat. We're coming to the end of the segment. I want to make sure. Can you? Uh, well, your 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 site or your blog is through Psychology Today, right? Right. It's called Animals and Us. Animals it covers and Us. A wide variety of topics related to human animal interactions. Okay. Stay tuned to the English Information Aisle, talking with Hal Herzog about eating habits, food labels, vegetarianism. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Ingalls Information Now. This is Leah, your Ingalls dietitian, talking with Hal Herzog. He's a professor emeritus from Western Carolina University. His specialty is psychology, and he 
works a lot in the space about our uh, our human interaction with animals, whether it's companion animals like your dogs, your cats, but also our relationship with um, the animals that become our food, right? So how we feel about our uh, our food and the animals that become our food. It's a really important uh, discussion. And you have a book that we wanted to go ahead and mention. What was that? What's that? Yeah, my book is uh, a general introduction to anthrozoology, which is the new science of human-animal interactions. And the uh, the book is uh, called uh, Some We Love, Some We Hate, Some We Eat, Why It's So Hard to Think Straight About Animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, – yeah, it's it's been it's fun and and part of it, it well you know probably the uh, meat how can I put it is is probably the most frequent interaction with an animal that most people have yeah is eating them yeah like it or not yeah well you know and one of the things that I see a lot is that um, we have lost a lot of our connection with the farming community because there's only what two percent of America. Two percent of Americans identify now as farmers. So, you know, maybe if it was back in my grandmother's time or my, even my mother's time, the connection would have been much different. Um, and so, our exposure to animals a lot of times is through our dogs or our cats or horses. So we have sort of lost that idea. Uh, we don't really know a whole lot about farming or agriculture or ha- how those types of animals are different than our companion animals. Would you want to comment on that? Well, I think that, I think that's absolutely I think that's absolutely true. Another way that we've lost uh, the sense of uh, animality is in our diet because of the way that uh, we buy the meat in our lives mm-hmm. for the most part. So, for example, if you go to, to an Ingalls and you go to the poultry department, um, what you what you used to see back when I first moved, moved here, what yeah. you'd see is you'd see a lot of, uh, you know, fryers and broilers and things like that that looked like a, a plucked chicken. Right. And you would buy it and take it home and you would cut it up and you knew that that was an animal and right. you uh, you dismembered it and you ate it. But now if you go to you know virtually any supermarket, what you typically see is a, a piece of uh, sort of flesh that almost looks like a vegetable packaged in styrofoam. Yeah. And so we're, we've sort of lost or, – or you can buy int- you know, certain misnomer things, for example, a chicken chicken finger. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> a chicken tender. Yeah. Yeah. And what is a chicken uh, nugget? Like- a chicken nugget. Yeah, exactly. It's a chicken nugget. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not a chicken. Yeah, I actually prefer to buy the thing that I can actually cut up and see yeah. what it see what it was made of. You know? Yeah. And, now, uh, did you grow up on a farm, or did you have a connection with agriculture? As a no, but I've always been interested in animals. I've got a PhD in animal behavior, and uh, I've always been attracted to animals. I've spent the early part of my career studying animal behavior, um, and only uh, after I did after I did that that I started studying human animal interactions. Okay, so we were talking earlier about. Um, how people, why people give up meat to begin with or go meat free. And we covered a lot of different ground there. So, but, but many people who go meat free become vegetarian, vegan, resume eating meat. And what, and this, uh, this figure amazed me that you found in your research. What was it again? Yeah, a study by a group called Faunalytics, uh, which is a uh, animal activist group of animal activists. Uh, they do some excellent research on uh, you know, the demographics of animal activism and diet and things like that. And they found that 80, 86% of people 
uh, who call themselves vegan or vegetarian, who identify themselves that way, eventually go back to eating meat. Uh, This happened to one of my daughters who was a, a vegetarian for 20 years and when she went back to eating meat. So most people uh, do, in fact, shift between, uh, you know, omnivory to vegetarianism or people that do that, that they will eventually go back to eating meat. So what are some of the reasons that people resume eating meat? Yeah, we've done some studies of this, as have other people, and we've uh, generally found the same thing. There's a, there's a variety of reasons um, some more common than others. One of the things that was not very common, we found very few people this way in our research, is people that suddenly woke up in the morning and realized that their uh, ethical stance was wrong and that and it was okay to eat animals. We found very few people had changed their moral beliefs about animals. What we did find was that uh, people just got tired of what, what I call the hassle factor mm-hmm. of uh, you know trying to maintain a balanced diet, uh, obtain all vegetarian products. Social factors become mm. important. Uh, uh, I remember interviewing a d- study of animal activist, and uh, I interviewed a, a young woman, and uh, she told me she had quit trying to date men. And she said, I, I said, well, why? She said, well, in her words, she said, just going out to dinner becomes an ordeal. Mm. So especially in veganism, uh, you know, much of our social life depends around is, is around food. Sure. And you know, your friends sometimes don't know how to deal with with you know vegan and vegetarians and dying. It can it can be sort of isolating. Sort of the, the sort of social reasons involved. Uh, health health reasons are for sort of a, a, a large one. It's one reason my daughter went eventually went back to eating meat, even though she still doesn't like the taste of it very much. Um, but uh, that was a that was a, a, a fairly significant one. People who felt that they were getting anemic, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But mm-hmm. they 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 did it. And then um, finally there was taste. And it uh, wasn't particularly common, but some people, they began to crave the taste of meat. We were talking before about <laughs> – yeah. I remember I'd interviewed one, one uh, person who was an animal activist, and they had gone home, and their mom had made uh, bacon and eggs. And they and the smell of bacon just got to them, and, they, and the, so I think bacon is the is and and they had to eat it, and that was the end of the vegetarianism. So I think bacon is the gateway drug to 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 meat, to meat. Right. right? Yeah. So yeah, and that's a, it's just very interesting. I think you know there was a period of time when I was in college that I had had this. I'm no more meat. I'm not. I'm giving up meat. And I remember going home and making a big deal about the fact that I was vegetarian, not eating meat, and um. And I think when I resumed, it was for a variety of reasons. Like, yeah. I just felt like I didn't, I didn't have, I, you know, and I was making a pretty concerted effort to eat healthy, quote in air quotes. But I, I, um, I went home and my mom was making something with meat, and it just smelled so good. And I remember saying, I just don't, I just don't feel good, you know. The, and and you should always, if if. If you don't feel good about what you're eating or not eating or if you don't have energy, that's a big red flag. I totally agree. And that works both ways. If, if you don't feel good physically, um, uh, maybe you need to add some fish or things. On the other hand, if you don't feel morally good about eating meat, then you should not. Right. Or, or find a kind of meat that you do feel okay with morally, which might be fish. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. We could probably go on for a whole other show. Thanks so much, Dr. Herzog, for joining us on the Ingalls Information Aisle. Well, thanks for asking me to be here. I had fun.